Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Joining me on this 279th episode of Creative Control is U.S. Girls, a.k.a. Megan Remy, who currently calls Toronto, Ontario, home. Since moving there from Chicago in 2010, Remy has become a vital part of Toronto's music community, and along with her husband, Slim Twig, she runs the Calico Corp label. Oh, and they also play together in an amazing band called Darlene Shrug, whom, if you don't know Darlene Shrug, look them up. Fantastic. But Remy is likely best known for her stunning voice, pointed perspectives, and startlingly great post-pop work as U.S. girls, including her acclaimed and most recent album, 2015's Half Free, which is on the 2016 Polaris Music Prize shortlist and out now via 4AD Records. Remy will be performing at the Polaris Music Prize Gala on September 19th. Here's hoping that she walks away with the thing let me just say that i'm not just saying that because she's on the show great record wonderful person you'll find out she's a very thoughtful person we we caught up recently and we talked about america and canada and chicago and toronto and politics and the media the music media the mainstream news media John cassavetes and bruce springsteen and suicide and ralph nader and bernie sanders and Hillary Clinton and MySpace and the Beatles anthologies and Bikini Kill and, man, a whole bunch more. And there's some news about U.S. Girls and Darlene Shrug here, too, and you're going to hear music from the uh, record Half Free by U.S. Girls. There's lots of stuff here. I enjoyed this immensely. It was very nice to spend uh, some time with Meg there. So here it is, myself, Meg Remy of U.S. Girls.
normally when someone arranges to meet with me mm-hmm. in Toronto, they will, if it's a restaurant, they'll have, it'll be a, of some significance to them. Uh-huh. In this case, as far as I know, this situation, where, where are we exactly? This is Jules? Jules Cafe. Jules Cafe. This was arranged much like my parents' marriage, uh, by someone else. And I'm curious if this place is significant to you. It's where I use the internet. Really? Mm-hmm. Wi-Fi? Yeah, I don't have internet at home. So huh. I come here. That's its, it's significance. And it has good croissants I don't eat that I just look at. Oh, I want to get one. They're I'm kind of hungry. They do chocolate and almond together. Oh, yeah, those are good. Those it's are good. A lot. Is this like a well-known place? in this? I think it, they have another location or maybe two other locations okay so it's a bakery that has oh, satellites and wi-fi and wi-fi <laughs> <laughs> and what is this neighborhood is there a name for it uh kingsway kingsway yeah it's it, just barely etobicoke oh okay and how mm-hmm. long have you been here since july oh only since july mm-hmm. but in toronto you've been here since the day after christmas 2010 the day boxing day yeah <laughs> we call it boxing okay. day here <laughs> sale day or whatever. so around six years mm-hmm. okay and where are you from i'm from outside chicago chicago mm-hmm. lovely lovely city mm-hmm. some people think chicago and toronto are kind of similar i agree you feel that the same just on kind of surface things like city on a lake yeah lakeshore kind of stuff the we, lakeshore we, drive we thing. both have a lakeshore yeah. uh, boulevard the drive. chicago one is far more grand <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually majestic, want, really. I wondered about that because I, I talked to many Americans on this show, and I get the impression that some of them think of Canada as this quaint, almost pretend country. Hmm. Like, yeah, we get well, kind of a, I get a little hi hat, like I get a little kind I, of. I like, understand that. Do you? Do you? Well, f- my mom, the first time she came up here, she was like, "We should order a pizza." Do they do that here? Right. You know, it's There's like a naivete about the country. It's a country. It's like a fully modernized, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I think she just thought you maybe they ice skated the pizza over to you or something like that. Yes. There's been um, some of that too where we discover Americans don't have a lot of insight into how we function. Well, Americans don't have much insight into how they function. Yeah. Either. Yeah. It's a lot of um Blind, they just have like a weird blindfold on. Yeah, why? Where does that? Is that an? I've been wrestling with this a lot lately. Is that an education system thing? I think that's part of it, and yeah. I think it has to do with the power of like the media there and now the internet. And just in order for America to have operated in the way that they have and continue to do so, it's had to have been a lot of covering up. Yeah, right, and like exactly. A, like, hey look over here and you know distraction and i think it's just formed how a lot of people think i don't think there's that much critical thinking but people at the same time there's not a lot of critical thinking but a lot of maybe justifiably so people don't trust the information they're given it seems in the states yeah well i think and that's bleeding into yeah conspiratorial feelings among uh, we're certainly not in Canada uh, not uh, not guilty of that as well yeah and I mean neither side down there trusts it you know the conservatives only believe Fox News or whatever and think that anything else anyone else says is lies and vice versa I don't know it's strange and again do you think that's it's I, I gather you think it's at least a little bit justified to be mistrustful 
of the facts presented to you? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you, do you have, like, news sources that you trust? No. no. See, there you go. No. No, but that's, I think that's, has to do with my age and, like, my certain, you know, being a college graduate and these, like, certain things that are led me to be in this pool of people. Mm. I think that older people down there have their news sources and trust them wholeheartedly, like a Fox News or a some local paper, some sort of thing like that. I mean, I don't trust... I don't look at the news anymore because I'm just too sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I was looking at it a lot a few months ago and when everything just seemed insane, like everything was coming at once and I was really glued to it and I started noticing side effects in my daily life of just like stress and anxiety. Yeah, and just like, what's the point? And I had to stop looking. Now, when you does that to do with what's going on in America or the, the whole world? world? The whole world, yeah. you know, like, and it, to me, it's just all connected. Yeah, I can't separate a cop shooting some unarmed black man from Trump from the refugees in Syria who oh, are yeah. trapped in their cities. Like, it's just all a part of this larger thing that, unfortunately, like, I'm not eloquent enough, or I don't know enough yet to to explain what that one thing is that yeah. connects it all but it's just got to be power or something Some, you know it has something to do with power and something about our own helplessness to change that stuff yeah like I, that's what I'm I feel like a lot of us are going through a lot of the people I talk to who express themselves with art or whatever are just like yeah. I don't know what to do yeah and it's like a, we, we're supposed to feel like we're free and everything like that but it's almost like we're just free to buy whatever we want actually do whatever we want or like make changes or that we have any sway at all I'm not sure that we do yeah does that sentiment bleed through in your work like yeah of course I mean my album's called half free it's like it's a given (laughs) yeah so you're talking about those things Uh, uh, do you like living here oh yeah compared to where you were living yeah I mean there's there's things there's it's Hands down, I feel like I dodged a bullet by being able to come up here. Hmm. Number one, because I just don't agree with the way things are run down there anymore, and I couldn't support it. You know, like, and it would never, well, I shouldn't say that. The tax system down there is something that I always had problems with because I felt, why pay taxes when your money is going to bombs and your local library just closed? And it's like, what the, um, you know, whereas up here, it's like, it's not that there's no military up here, and I know Trudeau is up in his manufacturing of jet planes, which I find no one's talking about, but uh, at least you get health care up here. Yeah. And it's like, that's a nice thing. Less guns. Yeah. <laughs> Less people. I think people are a little bit more sane and empathetic and just down there. But then down there you have a character that you can't really find elsewhere it's very unique to you know there's regional character and you've traveled a little bit in canada right yeah yeah and there's different i'm not saying there's no character up here there's tons of different ones i'm just you know what i mean it's like down there's a character that i'm most that's me do you know what i mean so it's like to be around that other things you feel 
it's it's comfortable. And state to state, it's different. Yeah. More so than maybe here. I mean, I, I think as you graduate, have you been out west here? Just a bit. Yeah. As you go out, it gradually changes a little bit. And, yeah. And certainly as you go out east, it's more chill. Yeah. I, these are generalizations, obviously, but it, it's... I think it's like comes from the fact that like you guys, that Britain, Britain, Britain stayed here and didn't yeah. down there. So it's right. like there's like a different oh. up here. There's a like what's what do you call it? British reticence or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like reserved, very cool, collected, not very outwardly, you know, I don't know, expressive. I feel like or loud maybe it's loud whereas when you go to Chicago or something it's like hey you're like someone's like yelling at you right away or you can yeah. talk to anyone and it's just a different I don't find it as friendly up here oh, you as don't. it is down there no oh because we get a rap of being particularly nice yeah but there's a difference between nice and friendly yeah. like do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. nice is like can be like put on you know like it's just like a you have to break doesn't seem genuine <laughs> oh really <laughs> I, I would think that we're a bit more we are I think maybe nice but there's a as you say there's a reserved exterior to get to the nice yeah you got to break through that kind of like it's, are we standoffish I don't know I mean you would have you'd have a perspective on it when I was I stayed in Chicago 10 years ago and my cousin said he thought I had a British accent <laughs> yeah so when you said that, it, I immediately thought of that. He's yeah. like, yeah, the way you articulate and, ex- mm-hmm. and enunciate was very, yeah. like, clear. Yeah, you're smart. I mean, <laughs> is that what it stand- is? No. I mean, <sighs> yeah, people are probably smarter up here. Really? Huh. Well, that's kind of you to say. <laughs> <laughs> I feel kind of smart sometimes. So you've kind of talked about what you like about here compared uh-huh. to uh, the States. Do you miss anything about the States? Also, like Chicago. You know, Chicago is a, and a lot of the cities are old cities that manage to keep a lot of their old architecture, which I love, which I feel like Toronto, there hasn't been much of a saving Mm. of the past here. It's all seems driven towards the new, of building new and the look of the city I don't love as much as. But then, I mean, I don't know. The look of the city since you got here or the look of the city generally? Like, has it changed since 2010 where you're like, what's going on? What are they doing? Well, I mean, there's just, there's more cranes operating yeah. here than Dubai or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's changing. I don't know if it's it's been on a similar trajectory from when I moved here, but I can only imagine when I see old pictures of Toronto and I'm like, where is where these buildings yeah. go? Yeah. But I, I do, I think that's happening in pockets of America, too. Yeah, it's happening uh, everywhere. It's just not yeah. like, if we're talking and comparing Toronto and Chicago, which is how this conversation started, yeah. there's just no comparison visually over uh, Chicago's grandness. And they've brought in a lot of new architecture, obviously, but managed yeah. to save the old Yeah, yeah. There's a in per- a way that's... It's very interesting. Huh. It's just, it's bigger though, too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Well, we kind of have a, again, to grossly generalize, Canadians have struggled with our identity. And, yeah. And a lot of struggling with your identity is grappling with your immediate or distant past, I think. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we're more apt to like sure. just knock down a building because we well, don't, don't think it speaks to us. Well, and I think a lot of that struggle is 
born from the states living above it and like it's a lot of their fault you know what i mean hmm. like it would be hard to have to find your identity when you're you realize that all commerce and all this shit is tied up with the identity that comes from down there yeah you'd be wanting to wrestle adapt it, it a bit or something i don't know or just to make your identity compete with that one which but we're quite similar though i mean you said we're i agree we're smarter yeah uh, <laughs> maybe a little ahistorical but i often i i mean i have a sense when when i cross the border in the states i definitely feel different yeah. that just i uh, mean that's psycho that's psychosomatic probably but it's cutthroat down there it's not yeah. that here I think that's the difference of like you I don't think you guys have it in you to have that kind of identity that would compete with it because it would mean you would have to like it's like abandon all yeah for the dollar we're socialists on some level yeah more than yeah and I mean we you you are a very big proponent of doing things yourself Mm -hmm. as an artist yeah we have an infrastructure here mm-hmm. that really is supportive of artist grants and things like that. I yeah. mean, you, you have some of those uh-huh. things there. Do you feel like we're too coddled? Do you feel like we have it a bit easy? I mean, I think we probably have it easier than American artists on some level. Yeah, way easier. I mean, I think there's definitely a... I've said this before. When you don't have that infrastructure and you're wanting to make something, it's your urgency that's driving you yeah. and that pushes you and you're going to do it no matter what. Whereas up here I I haven't come in I'm not saying it doesn't exist I just haven't come in contact with it as much as I have down there right the urgency you mean yeah and the I'm gonna do this at all costs whether I get the grant or not or like you know I think I don't know the granting system is a complex you don't qualify for these things up yeah, here. Yeah, Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and I've gotten some grants. You've gotten some? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. You, it's not a, and you've, you're, that's good. Yes. Helped <laughs> me so that I could pay, you know what I mean? Like, helped me to achieve, uh, do things I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise, doing it myself, which is the way I did it. I had done it for so long. Yeah, it's not mutually exclusive. The, the, the ability to get this funding and to have the drive, Mm-mm. you need no. the drive still. And yes. you feel like some people don't necessarily have it as much. <laughs> you don't want to grossly generalize. Also, I mean, you're in... I mean, this is all general, you know, yeah, general sure. talking about the differences between up here and down there. And, you know, it's... You, generalizing is dangerous. Yeah. Yes. It's but true. it's also the only... I mean, it's the only way to have a conversation is generalizing. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's... You know. Yeah, exactly. I understand. I appreciate that. You've, I think that in a, in the states in particular, as the political cycle has gone on, and certainly with the rise of things like the Daily Show, like when it sort of really started with John Stewart, I consider that a different viewpoint than what it was before. But there has been this articulation of holding the media to account when it comes to news. Mm-hmm. That's been a big narrative, and it's it's happening now in the current election cycle as well. What about the music media? Do you think the music? <laughs> do you think the music media control. needs to be held to yeah. account? Yeah, because there is, it's a it's a scam like anything else. Pitchfork is owned by Condé Nast now. That's yes. like 
whatever. Uh, you, it's like, it's the way the music business been running forever. It's like, you scratch my back, I'm going to scratch yours. Right. So it's deals, it's advertising. You get an ad on our website, we'll review your record. Advertorial. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, music journalism in this day and age is, it's the one sheet. You know what I mean? It's Can be. do the work. Your label does the work for the journalist, and the journalists just rehash, you know? But that hasn't been the case for you in every Not in instant. every, yeah. but I would say the majority. Huh. You'll see lines from your one Bio. sheet yeah. that are, like, just pretty much placed in right. straight up. Have you ever been resistant of, to even provide a one sheet? I mean, I don't provide them. Oh, right, the labels do. I'll write up what, you know, like, usually Max does it. Oh, Ma- Max, your partner. Ma- yeah, yeah, Max is eloquent and good, and he he's read a lot of yeah. music journalism, whereas I stopped. You stopped? You know, a long time. Yeah, I You don't, just don't, don't engage read. with it? No. Do you read your, rev- you don't read your reviews or anything? No. Because? I don't need comments from the peanut gallery, like, <laughs> and... <laughs> It would only... I'm too sensitive, again. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like... I remember once when the Damn That Valley video came out and I went to look at it and I was like, oh my God, there's so many views for me. That was like, you know, there's like 5,000 yeah. views. Wow. And then I'm like, oh, there's comments. And oh. then I was like, ah! You know, and like telling Max, he's like, don't ever look because it's bad. He's like, I've looked at your comments and it's... You wouldn't... I I would get that stuck in my head. Do of you course. Know what I How mean? could you like, not? Yeah. And so I find it best to, you know, Max or my manager will say, this is a good one. Read this. Be, because if, there, are, there is something, some reception or some, at least some critical reception, even in the comments, it can have some constructive sure. aspects, right? Sure, I'm sure. Something you hadn't considered. Yeah, but you have to filter through a million comments about your tits first. You know oh, what I mean? Or yeah. like, whatever. Or if yeah. you're doing anything that's vaguely political, you have people that are up your butt right away. Yes. People don't like that. Yeah. And that's something that bothers me too, is like there is a... I don't consider myself an intellectual at all, but... I consider some things what I do intellectual property or ideas are like uh, art. And there's a real backlash against intellectualism, I feel like, yeah, yeah. at the time. Yeah. And like the people just want you to like shut up and just like give them something to drink to or shop to. Or like they don't, I think there's. A, it just rubs people raw, political shit, or like trying to make some sort of statement. Or do you mean as an artist, they want yeah. you to shut up? Not mis- yeah, yeah, yeah. They feel like you don't have the base of knowledge. Yeah, or they they just don't want to think about that stuff. But isn't themselves. it isn't it strange? Like you're you're a, as much as you're an artist, you're a citizen. Yeah. Of the world of, mm-hmm. of whatever country you're living in, they're also just citizens. Yeah. So this whole like anonymous person questioning someone's intellect or expertise when they're in the same you're all i will say i mean i've read that you you mentioned that you don't ever vote right you sound like you're you you mentioned that you tried to stop reading the news because it was getting to you Mm -hmm. but you are politically engaged like this this song damn that valley 
was written from the perspective is it your brother it's a it's just my i mean my brother is a vet so i had some experience with being a family member of a soldier but it's just it's based on a the character of a war widow basically yeah and i mean i have a my brother-in-law is a a vet as well Mm -hmm. he served in uh afghanistan and he served in uh, bosnia and and it's that altered me a little bit yeah and I don't. I worry sometimes that it's a selfish thing because war and service is this abstraction yeah. that people employ to either manipulate you emotionally sometimes mm-hmm. or to try to score political capital, and it's yeah. very complicated. And then when you're dealing when you're dealing with it on a personal level, that's what it is. It's like an emotional yeah. thing. So when you wrote "Damn That Valley," and I know that's a, a lot of my understanding from the one sheet is that that uh, oh by the way we should say you're here in Toronto because of Max yeah on some level yeah Slim Twig yeah past guest of the show uh, you're you're together with Max and you you that you're here for love yeah and healthcare yeah. <laughs> here in Toronto my point is that uh, or by the point I was trying to make my understanding from the one sheet is that some of Half Free is derived from characters or at least inspired by Cassavetes, John Cassavetes, the films mm-hmm. of John Cassavetes and Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah. That's what the one sheet says. Yeah, I mean, that's what the one sheet says. It's like you got to give the journalist some fucking fat to <laughs> chew on. You know what I mean? It's like I was inspired by Cassavetes because I had never seen... I, I read a book of interviews by him and had never seen films before that were just like normal people. Yeah. Just doing their thing and not so controlled and the lighting, so manipulated and everything. It was more like the, I don't know what that's, is that what cinema verite? It's verite, I was going to say. I was going to flex my intellectual muscles there and say verite. I didn't, had never seen any of that. And moving up here, Max is involved in film, his family is, and that's what got me into that kind of stuff, which I already loved that stuff from music, like Bruce, you know? Like, I love this idea of, Bruce is always talking about the every man or whatever. It's usually the every white man, but you know, like it's... Blue collar, working man, working women. It's a perspective that isn't often covered. And it's a perspective of like people that are often forgotten or shunned or... Marginalized. Yeah. I've seen, I, I, have you seen Bruce Springsteen? Yeah. I've seen him a lot. Me too. And uh, I've poured over his stories and uh, like his life story and his lyrics and uh he's a really fascinating guy because he got really big yeah when he got really 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 big he was very critical of this country of your country america yeah that resonates with you on some level yeah i mean it also resonates with me that he's put on this persona of this kind of like car mechanic romantic down and out rocker when it's like he never worked a day in his life yeah. i mean he has worked his ass off with music he but played a four-hour show the other night apparently i know i know i saw the set list it's amazing <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh you know like some people could see that as problematic that he puts his persona on and then writes about these characters or something but i think it's effective and i don't think i think if you really dive into him you see he's not he doesn't cover up the truth about himself and try to embody his persona to the f- fact where it's 
that's the reality then all of a sudden. You no, know what he, I mean? I he think struggles yeah. a lot. With, I can't wait for his autobiography. Yeah, yeah. The I, I read the intro and it's incredible. I haven't read the intro. So good. I mean, I know that he struggles a lot. He has struggled with depression and, yeah. and just like everyone. Um, yeah, he's this icon that has always seemed human. Yeah. Um, and like, I think you're aware of this. He, he does try to help people at every show. Yeah. Like he sets up these like food con connections with local food banks. And as uh, everyone who's at that level should. Yeah. There should be mandatory. I think if you're of a certain income, yeah. there should be a cap on whatever. You should have a higher tax rate. And there, if you're a public figure, there should be... I don't know. I mean, it's hard. You can't force people to do things. And mandatory is like, next thing you know, whatever. Yeah. Nazi Germany or something. But like, I don't know. I just, I don't know why everyone wouldn't want to do something like that. Yeah. Spoken or not. You yeah. don't have to say it on stage, but you come into a town, well, you could give back to it. But it's money. I mean, I, I think it's because most artists... I, there's less protest in music on some level, at least mainstream music, because I think people are worried about alienating yeah. anyone, and their slice of the pie is so much smaller now, smaller and smaller and smaller, that I think it's fear, fear of losing. And he, you know, really wasn't until that um, tour they did for, I forget what it was called. Do you remember, like, for the Kerry? I think it was for the John Kerry election. Uh. It was like basically getting Bush out. It was like Bruce and R.E.M. and yeah. Neil Young showed yeah. up. And that really like, and I mean, the 41 shots, like all oh of this. Oh, my God, incredible. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so he's, I think he's put himself out there. Definitely. And and so when I hear Damn That Valley, or at least when it's contextualized as well, because mm -hmm. the song, I think, has this pop, pop framework, a, mm -hmm. lot, a lot like Bruce does. But it did remind me of the river or remind yeah, me of born sure. in the usa mm -hmm. so when you say that bruce inspires your work it's just this notion of is it specific or is it just general notion of creating characters and trying to represent it's people? every i mean it's everything yeah. about bruce really really yeah he's big i mean he's huge for me yeah i still listen to him every week yeah. even though i've been listening to him every week since i was born you know yeah. it just it's just he hits all my points right now, he's a guy that's, I, I have read that you have said you've never voted? Yeah, I've never voted. You've never voted in an American election. No. Can you elaborate upon that? Why don't you vote? Because I, I mean, the first, my, you know, voting when I was being raised was like a very important thing yeah. voting yeah. people die for it people you know what i mean it's your duty it's a privilege it's yada 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 then it says i'm getting older and in high school and becoming aware of the truth of the history of america and things like that and then you have the first bush election i just w yeah, not I mean, his dad. Yeah. No. Yeah. Though I remember shock and awe. I remember, like, I mean, whatever. Yeah. It was that election was like, it really flipped my lid on voting. It confused me, like, and learning that a two party system is 
very ra- like nobody you know it's very rare yeah, yeah. and all over the world there's multi you know multiple candidates running at the same time and how that should be that way if you're going to represent a country as large as can- uh, America as well because the 2000 election beyond the the hanging chads and the cheating that seemed to go on the fact that Bush was ha- basically handed that yeah. election undisputed the other weird villain to this day was Ralph Nader. Yeah. Nader was a third party candidate yeah. and people really blamed him yeah. and continue to blame him for that election. Yeah. Which at the time like I was touring the states uh, in October of 2000 and in Nashville I picked up a vote for Ralph Nader button. I was a big fan of Ralph Nader. Yeah. And uh, I acknowledged that him staying in the way he did Obviously, history went a certain way, but everything he stood for, yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. Everything no. he was advocating, it's same with Bernie Sanders. Well, that's the thing. I don't. I wish that Bernie hadn't given in so early. I just think everyone panicked with Trump, and when the polls yeah. are saying, "Oh, he's doing well," I think people panicked. Who knows what was done behind closed doors? And Bernie came out to. I'm. Sh- I'm hoping. I mean, obviously, Hillary had to adapt some of his stuff, and hopefully yeah. he'll adapt, she'll adapt more. Yeah. But I wish, you know, it, I lost, I lost something when he did that. Not respect, because I respect him still. It was disappointing. But, you know, to that, I just feel like someone needs to put their foot down finally and be like, I'm not going to play the game, which Nader kind of did. Do you know what I mean? Like, but he was horribly vilified for it. Yeah. And I mean, he tried it again in 2004 and people were like, he, but I, there's something wrong with the system then where it's like, you know what I mean? He could throw the election or people could think he threw the election. Yeah. yeah. I don't, uh, that's the thing is how can I participate in a voting system that I don't even understand how it works? Well, I, you, to your point, Hillary adapted some of Bernie's, policies probably on some level because of what happened with Nader and Gore. Yeah. Because what happened, there was that, as I recall, and I'm foggy on it, but I think Gore was, the Gore campaign was so averse to dealing with Nader's points of view. Yeah. And they made sense, but I think because they were anti-corporate and would compromise (laughs) the Democrat, like it, it's bizarre that the Democratic Party hasn't learned from these supposed fringe elements that are re- truly progressive and truly... Well, the Democratic Party isn't progressive. Exactly. And it's on its way out, I'm hoping, you know? Like, huh. I'm hoping. Well, okay, now... I just feel like the internet-using generation of teenagers and, like, college kids now, when they get older, I'm just... I don't think the Democratic or Republican Party is going to suit them. Well, it, it, this is somewhat shocking what you're saying, because the narrative around Trump is that he has dismantled the Republican the Repu- Everyone's like, the Republican Party, Republican Party will never be the same yeah. after this election, and it's just going to create decades of chaos. What this is, what's going on now? I've not heard anyone say that about the Democratic Party until today. Well, to me, uh, there's not much difference between those two parties. That's, again, a little... That's provocative. Are you saying... So you abstain from voting? In my... 
yeah. for my views and what I want out of a government and all that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. I am anti-war. Like, 100%, there's not an excuse for it in the world in yeah. this day and age. There's no reason why we can't talk. We can't figure things out. We're smart people. We have mm. technology, all this stuff. Like, I am against it. And any party that wants it, yeah. I'm against. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That that makes sense to me. But, but also, there's never been that much. It's like shades of difference between the two. They're yeah. like the same color, just different spots on the gradient of it. Like Sure. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I do agree with you. At the same time, I will say, some people would hear what you're saying and say, like, honestly, Trump and Clinton right now, you don't see a fundamental distinction between how they would rule. Sure. Yes. Very different, yeah. all within the shade of evil. Like hmm. a different shades of or evil, or different side of the coin, evil coin, or whatever right. you want to say. Right. Hillary, the only thing that in my for my views and what I. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I care about that she has going for really is her view on women and like women's reproductive rights and yeah. things like that. Other than that, anyone who considers Henry Kissinger a friend is someone that I think is disgusting. Right. That's fair. But what? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm trying to process this because I I've, you know, if you're engaged with this stuff, you know that and I've said this to my wife a few times like when I see these polls, which I generally don't believe these polls. I, I, the polls seem to be causing a lot of trouble. Yes, and I feel like, I, I certainly remember when Romney and Obama were supposedly a close, tight race. Yeah. And I think electorally, electoral college-wise, maybe it was, but at the end of the day, I think it was a route yeah. on some level, like on, some, on the popular vote. I can't recall. Either one, I can't remember. I'm not smart enough. Or at least I've got See, you have to be a fucking sorry, yeah, yeah, genius <laughs> to understand the system down there. Yeah, but... Or, like, have studied or gone to school for it. It makes... But anyway. I do think the media makes things seem tighter as yeah. races than they end up being yeah. because it's the way they keep interest up. Yeah. Who wants a... I mean, anyway. But I have to say that the prospect of the Trump... I, I would ask you to verify this. The prospect of Trump winning has got to be a scarier... It's far more terrifying than Hillary. Okay. so Without a doubt. Yet, it's like Trump not getting in is like getting... It's like a tumor got removed from your body, and then a month later, it's like, oh, there's another yeah. one over here. It's a different... It's not as big, but we've got to get it out. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just don't see... I just think no matter what, either one of them in... Like things have to change, like 
there needs to be I don't know what it is a revolution I don't know what a revolution could even look like well Bernie that's what Bernie was touting right and you were excited I gather you I was excited by him but also just so I'm so jaded by it that I was just I knew he wouldn't it wouldn't work out they're just they would shut him down right because the powers that be are just too powerful right and that's why there needs something needs to happen because there's more of us than the people that are in power. Do you know? And that's why I don't understand why we there something can't happen. Do you have you participated in protests? Have you taken? Have I? Yeah. Yeah. And what's that like? How do you feel at the end of that? When I was younger, it felt exciting, and it felt like I was doing a duty or something. Like voting would be considered a duty. Um, this day and age it's weird with social media it's like you're at a protest and you just see a lot of people like taking pictures and posting things and on facebook and you know and i just think that although social media has proven to be very powerful with for protests and making them happen and communication and stuff like that and documenting things it's a distraction still that i wish I wish that we could all disconnect a bit from the internet for chunks of time. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, when we're trying to focus on something, like let's focus and be present and not be documenting it or saying we're here so our friends can see. But there's like, a, there's a, the selfish aspect of social media, which I understand you being critical of. But then when you talk about the Arab Spring or I other, know. that's what aspects, I said. I think that it's was been helpful. That actually ch- shifted people's perception of social media as being this narcissistic enterprise. I mean, sure, but people are like, I'm at this protest, mm-hmm. and it might be about them, mm-hmm. but they might also be highlighting the protest. Sure. Sure. So, of course. <laughs> I mean, I think we're just in a weird age where we grapple with ourselves. I know. And our presence at things. Well, and we're trying... The internet is so new. And yet it's everything right now. Yeah. Like, it's everything. And we're just... We, it's good. It's bad. It's what You know what? Like, it's very confusing. Did you come of age with the internet? Per se? Yeah. Like I, I had it. I had America Online. Yeah. I did chatting on America Online right. and stuff. And, it, and then had, you know, internet in high school. But it just was not like it was now. No, no, of course not. It was not. so different. But it was, I remember, I was in first year university in 1996 or something when I first got my email account, like mm-hmm. a first email account. And it did seem crazy. Like, I just yeah. how quickly we adapted to it yeah. and how remarkable it was to connect with people all over the place. As a musician, did the internet influence you like were you able to no no and not i didn't download music or look at music really i would look at like pictures of bands maybe oh okay <laughs> like hairstyles and clothes and stuff like, like that. old zines even yeah we used to do that yeah like that but i don't think that internet the only thing it influenced for me was when i first started touring was in the heyday of myspace and it was such a good tool for oh. touring it would, you literally could write people and set up a show in a town. Oh. You know, you could, like, find bands you like. You'd make a routing and then search all the bands in each town and see if any linked up with you, like, you know, sound-wise or vibe-wise and write them and set up a show. And it was amazing. But inadvert- so inadvertently, if I step back from what you're saying, mm-hmm. 
the internet facilitated you to tour, which in turn inf- uh, exposed you to different music mm-hmm. and so bands. It influenced me. So it probably did actually in a weird Definitely. way. And I will never like forget going on a tour that I booked on MySpace with my band. And on the drive from Portland to San Francisco, I heard Silver Apples and Suicide and the Shags all on that drive for the first time. It was like the three S's. And though hearing those three bands, like I was just turned 18, changed everything for me. How so? Can you explain? I'd on never. That? I mean, suicide was just like what I've been waiting for my whole life. It's like Bruce mixed with punk, mixed with like just electronic, like everything I loved in one. The Shags was something that was so incredible. Hearing their story and then hearing the music and being like. It was so bad that it was good, and it was still something, even though it was bad. And Silver Apples was a, opened up a whole new world of just uh, psychedelic music that I I, had, I knew nothing of, huh. you know, because I knew about just like the hit psychedelic things from the '60s and '70s. I never knew about underground bands or okay. anything like that, right. like a couple, but not really. And that just you know, and this idea of a duo, same, Suicide yeah. and Silver Apples, like how two people can make a lot of noise together. You don't need a whole band. And like just hodgepodge instruments together even. And and with both of those bands, like the lyrics are so good. Yeah. And Bruce, uh, had you heard, had you already become a fan of Nebraska yeah. by Bruce Springsteen? Yeah. So then when you discovered the through line from Bruce to yes. suicide, you must have been. Yeah. And then when I saw it, I saw Bruce a couple years later on his solo tour and he covered Dream Baby Dream. I was like, I couldn't. Yeah. I knew he was doing it on the tour. And so I was waiting for it and he did it and I was in tears. Devils like, and Dust amazing. Tour. Yeah, it was an incredible tour. That was tour. pretty amazing. Such a good tour. Yeah, I love that tour. I, it's the best time I've seen him. I think it might be, like I got to see the E Street Band in its like original formation yeah. a few times and then I've seen it subsequently with the newer people but yeah mm-hmm. there's something about that Devils and Dust tour which he did in the big arena in Toronto like the Air Canada but cut off Half. same with me yeah. yeah and it was lovely amazing yeah yeah. he was so good and it got me into all the early 90s Bruce stuff because he was doing yes. like stuff from Human Touch and all that but in a different way yeah. like Soul Driver is one of my favorite Bruce songs of all time. And right. he did it there oh, just wow. with piano. Wow. And That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember them because he was primarily sitting. And I really liked the Devils and Dust record a lot. It really, oh, yeah. really, so uh, good. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, in a weird way, as we said, if we can go back to the point A that I had started, <laughs> the Internet really fed into sure. even though it. it it manifested itself in real life. Even though I hate it, it's done great things for me. <laughs> Do you actually remember what first got you interested in music, like as a young person? I mean, the radio, the radio mostly. Radio is always on. In the a- car, a- a- at home, a- both, a- a- depending. A- yeah. uh, and then probably the first real hardcore thing was the Beatles anthology yeah, oh thing yeah. happening and all of that and that was number two the number two one where like that's kind of like Rubber Soul Revolver yeah I know crazy yeah. I, I was just like what like yeah. I had not heard like the Tomorrow Never Knows on there is yeah. stunning yeah. and if you were into like underground American music like I was like this was maybe around the time the, the folk implosion like Lou Bar- <laughs> I was already into Sebado but like he'd put out these kind of 
psych rock kind of broke down lo-fi things and then you hear the anthology yeah. and i was like whoa like that i did not expect that through line to, mm-hmm. to happen yeah um okay so the beatles that's a yeah big the beatles band. anthology those <laughs> things airing on tv i mean we watched every one yes. that came out and got seized and got the book and all that me and too me i too. think it just started from there okay and then really you started playing heavily no i didn't start playing until i got into punk oh because until that period between the Beatles, let's say, and me getting into punk, music in my mind was a man's world. Mm. It was something I could never be a part of because I didn't know an instrument and I didn't want to take lessons. And, you know, it, I just thought it was, a ho- it was a hobby for me, really, of what I liked. Until I got my first boyfriend who was all into punk and hardcore and he got me a Bikini Kill CD. And he's like, these chicks just... Oh, man. They just play. Like, you could do it if you wanted to. Because he was in a band. And I just... I would go to his shows. And that's when I started going to shows. And I felt like electric when I'd be at a show. Yeah. So I'd just like, oh, I want to be a part of it. Kind of like sometimes you can be at a sporting event. And you're like, wish you could go play. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it just started from there. Do you still feel cut off? I mean, you're doing it now. You're in music. But you mentioned sort of feeling... First of all, you seem to fall in love with icons. Yeah. That always dehumanizes the process. Like if the Beatles, I remember like as a kid reading, I was, I was infatuated with the Beatles, but I, as you read more about them, you'd be like, Ringo couldn't do a show because he was sick. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. they got sick. Like it never occurred to me. Sure. So, and punk was kind of this very humanizing thing for me as well. Yeah. But you mentioned feeling like you didn't maybe belong as a woman. Yeah. Has that improved? It's improved because I know I belong. Yeah. And there's no doubt in my mind that there's a space for us at the table in every zone for women. There should be, and there is. Um, It's just getting to the table, forcing your way to the table, basically. But I don't think attitudes of, you know, I still have to deal with sound guys that are like, act like you don't know, you know. I'll ask for something like, oh, can you... um, give me a little bit of this on my mic or something like, oh, I don't think you want to do that. It's like, Still you would never say that if a man asked you for that. You would just do it. And maybe in your mind, I feel like you would think it wasn't a good idea, but they'll act like you don't know how to plug your chords in. They'll, you know. I, I mean, I've played music too as a dude. Although I should say I've played music as a brown dude. So uh, I've had guff from sound people too. Yeah, I know. Uh, Men get it too. It's a little like, maybe bit. Maybe it's just sound guys. And I don't, so the responsibility of that is really up to hopefully progressive minded venue operators to be like, guys, we're going to have to have a talk. Seriously. Like, I feel like there should be these blanket. Yeah. Maybe it's a, I don't know who's responsible for this, but in order to, to see some kind of at least incremental change in attitude. Yeah. I mean, I used to just assume sound people were mistreated. That's why they were so grumpy. No, I think it's mostly their failed musicians. Ah. Failed in quotes, like they're, they think they failed me or something. Right. I think like, you know, those that don't, can't do teach or whatever, yeah, it's like sure. the same thing with this. Like, oh, you didn't, your band didn't make it, just become a sound guy. Those who can't <laughs> you know? play mix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting point of view. So this, when I hear the, the title Half Free, mm. I mean, it's, that's a loaded title for me. I think of all sorts of things. But from your perspective, it 
it might have to do with women. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I, I chose it because it could mean lots of things yeah. and would conjure up different thoughts for each person that thought about it, if they chose to think about it. And, I mean, it's just a good title, too. I mean, the record's so incredible. It's been a while since it's been out. Have you learned stuff about it as you've lived with this record for a while? Yeah, I think initially I was really trying to say something. <laughs> and I think I was being too... I wasn't... I don't know. I think I was being too general. You know, I was saying, like, the average woman and stuff. When it's like, no, I was kind of mostly talking about... The, the average white woman or the average American woman, you know, and like okay. not woman as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot about that. From talking about it? Yeah, talking about it, talking with friends about it, having people point things out to me, like not every woman does this or not every woman, you know, like uh, to be a woman in North America is completely different than to be a woman in Africa or it's, you know, like, and though I don't think I have to, I think I just, uh, I don't know. Are you starting to believe in the concept more of first world problems or is that something? Oh, you're I believe in it entirely. I mean, did. that's yeah. all, that's what I know. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. I, we have another, Max and I are in another band called Darlene Shrug. Amazing that's band. Like, Amazing band. We have a song called First World Blues and it's oh. like all about that. It's like, I could do anything I want, but I don't know which job to choose and like, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah. whatever. Where does that, what, what's going on? Why are we untitled and whiny at this point? Or is it us? I feel like you and I might be almost I mean, the same age. I mean, I think age. it's because we have too much time <laughs> on our hands. You know what I mean? Like, we have too much free time. Is it also because we're seeing more, quote-unquote, normal people succeed? There's this feeling I have sometimes where I make this show, and I, it comes across sometimes, and I try, I'm trying to put a lid on it, even though I took the lid off right now. But this sense of, like, man, like, feels like everything's doing pretty good, and... And yet, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to do the thing as well. And, mm -hmm. But I think I have something. And, and I feel like a lot of people, when they're posting on social media or when they're trying to make stuff, you know, it's a metric-based economy. So if you don't, you were talking about how you were like, oh, my God, I got 5,000 views. Yeah. But psychologically, we're in this weird state where everything is measured publicly. Yep. And I feel like that's problematic. Like, I feel Hugely. like. Yeah. Like, we're judging everything by totally random, anonymous, external... Yeah, and I perception. think that's wrapped up with the average internet user or social media user's confidence as well. Yeah, like yeah. It's, a give, it's like a one-in-one. One. Like, you get X amount of likes, your confidence goes up, you don't get them, you start feeling low, yeah, yeah. like, or you start questioning your work, like oh, I put this up and no one really, it didn't really do anything. Right. You know, you hear that a lot, like, oh, that record didn't do much. Yeah. And you're like, but you made it, right? Yeah. That should be enough. But it's not. It's not. You feel the same way. I mean, it's enough. I mean, I'm a freak <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. Like, m music and art and expression and stuff is like a necessity for me in yeah. terms of mental health. It's like, it's my main thing. It's mm -hmm. like sacred for me. And it's almost like I'm my own audience, right? Um, so my, my work isn't as caught up with um, 
with that, like uh, wanting it to be approved. Yeah, by yeah. You're doing it for some. You yeah, have it. You not have that it. I'm not susceptible to that stuff. I am as well, but I don't know. I, I've, I've like I don't use Facebook and I don't. Use, I have a Twitter. Yeah. I don't have Instagram. I don't have internet at home. I try to just just I've tried to separate yourself. separate from it in order to continue making work in a somewhat safe <laughs> environment and just like to stay true to what I, whatever. Right. Right. Half Free was shortlisted for mm-hmm. this Polaris Music Prize here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we just started talking about uh, external reception. How do you feel about this situation? I think it's weird. It's it's weird to be nominated for a Canadian award. Uh-huh. Yet, all you know, it's I'm the only non-Canadian on the record. So it's yeah. and it, I didn't make that record by myself at all. I can't remember the rules about this. Like obviously, you have to be a permanent resident, which I am. Oh, you are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it's. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the record is what is up. It's not me. Yeah, it's the record yeah, that's totally. up. And the record was a lot of people collaborating yeah. on it. And so I'm happy for my friends to get this, you know, recognition for the work that they did. The, I have no real connection with the award or with awards in general. Uh, and I see it as a problematic award because it's not problematic. It's just, it, it's just how it's very typical competition of like, like the, comp- the competitive aspect the competitive aspect I don't like I think it's weird to have a gala where it's like everyone performs and then they announce the winner it feels very American mm. Idol-esque uh. or something but then it's also problematic where it's supposed to be a merit-based award where it's just you know whoever made the best album yep. and it's that's not that's false because in order to even get on the list you would have had to have like a a pretty decent label behind you with a PR push with a whatever so that all those people on the jury who work at radio station whatever you would even come across their desk that they would argue against that sentiment only and I'm not discounting what you're saying but they do have this like and I don't I think it's sort of public knowledge but there is this jury pool and I'm one of the jury people by the way I should say and uh, there's like a discussion group and every day they're like, hey, whoever talked about a record, we, whatever the record, independent, yeah. whatever they say, it's now available. Mm-hmm. If someone nominated a record in a little blurb, yeah. it gets put forth and you get to download it and you get to hear it. And right. on some level, not again, not to push back. I'm not a big defender of any... Back. I'm not. Well, I'm not. I'm just... Uh, I just want to clarify that. Yeah. On some level, it is pretty egalitarian, at least initially. Yeah. The same as almost anything. Initially, everyone seems to have a fair shake. But sure. then I do think when you see that final list, yeah. it's harder to... I can see where you're coming from. Like yeah. It does seem like usual suspects maybe, but also label... I can see that I infrastructure. I just think usual suspect yeah. of the infrastructure. Yes. Not the even specific labels, just that level of machinery so you have issues with it but yeah but also i mean it's like to me it's a big fluff piece like the whole awards thing and it's like 
I'm interested in performing in a live setting that's broadcast. That's what's interesting for me. That's what I can control in this situation. That's what I'm trying to focus on. You're performing? Yeah. Okay, good. The rest is... It is what it is. It's fluff. It's just a reason to make content. Yeah. For, and that's yeah. fine. For every anyone who wants to make content for Polaris. You know what I mean? Sure. Which is fine. And I, I can't complain because it's... It's only going to be, press is only good, right? Yeah. Even gonna, bad press. So. It's going to help you. I mean, you, have you felt it? Like, have you felt like being on this list has bolstered anything? No. No, not yet. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I don't think so. That's fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. So what is next um, for U.S. Girls, for Darlene Shrug, for whatever? Darlene Shrug is a record that's almost finished. Yay. Max is in Bolton today, finishing up some mixes. Oh, great. Yeah. The this record is good. I don't know. We, you know, I don't know if we'll put it out or we'll try and find a label, but it'll come out some way. You have your own label, Calico yeah. Corp. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's going. So, that's functioning. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. So the record's good. It's been a long time making it. I just I, for anyone listening who hasn't heard Darlene Shrug, it's a, it, I saw it a couple times mm-hmm. and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a really fun band. It's really great. Yeah. What do you do in the band? I play synthesizer and sing, and right. then I. Max and Simone make most of the music. Uh, it started off as it came out of Tropics. Max and Simone, yeah, Simone, Simone TB, TB yeah. had a band called Tropics for years, and then that kind of ended. And then they started this new project that was just going to kind of be a recording project or something like this. So they started making demos. They asked me to write the words for some of them, and then that's kind of the dynamic that got set up. Was they make the music, I make the vocals and the vocal arrangement, and then we. We have Carlin and Amanda who are from Ice Cream. Ice Cream, yeah. And we kind of bring them to everyone then to make a how to perform it live. They'll write their little parts, and it's a democracy, really. It's fun. I it's hard for me to. Uh, I should be good at this because I talk all the time, but I can't really articulate why it's so good. It's just really, really good. I think because it's rare in this day and age to see a really good rock and roll band. Yeah. I and think we that's true. like our just we're really going for the rock and roll yeah vibe and that's what we love and everyone in the band just loves music truly and we're like living out our rock and roll <laughs> dreams or something sure so it's it's very pure and you know we're doing it we're really doing it for the music we haven't tried to push ourselves as a band we've just kind of let it we know we're so good live that we don't need social media you know it's like the set is the social media right like the post whatever it's greater people seeing us live is greater than anything we could try to rep online and i don't want to put words in your mouth but you are i gather you are somewhat appreciative of the fact of, of word of mouth grassroots yeah okay yeah it works it does right it worked for me yeah it does and that's how i operated really until I signed up with 4AD. Okay. But it's still something that I strive for every show I play. I'm like, here's a room full of people that know X amount of other people. Yeah. If I impress them, they're going to go tell their friends, and it works that way. Right. Okay. And U.S. Girls, are you... I'm uh, working on a new record. We go into the studio the first week of October. Oh, good. To record it. The Cosmic Range is going to be the oh backing band on Another the record. Another great band. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have... Um, Max has making, made some songs for it, and Anna Kabazian, who I worked with previously, has done some stuff. I've done some stuff, and 
bringing all these demos to Cosmic Range, and they'll wow. be charted out, and then they'll they'll play the tracks. And nice. Yeah. That's an amazing ensemble as well. Very great, good. Great Toronto thing. I'm very lucky. I'm so. happy that you're so such a huge part of a Toronto music community <laughs> now. I think uh, you know we're happy you're here. Thank you. For what that's worth. I'm not leaving, so <laughs> you can't get rid of me. And you know, best of luck on the Polaris. Thank you. Gala. When did, it's the 19th. My, next Monday. Monday. A week yeah. From now. A week from now, and you're going to perform live at some point, so people yeah. should watch it. However, you can watch it and yep. all that stuff. All right. Yeah. And where can people learn more about you online? I can't remember. Um. Y O U. Y. S girls. Is that the one? Yeah, there's like a blog. <laughs> there's a blog, right? <laughs> yeah. Blogspot. Yeah. If you just search U.S. Girls, US it'll girls. come up. On the Google. Yeah. Or Lycos or, or AOL, like whatever. Yeah, AOL. <laughs> Yahoo. Okay. Yeah. Is there a song from Half Free that we can go out on? Is there something you can choose? Ooh. Oh, man. What songs are on it? Uh, play <laughs> Window Shades. Window Shades? Yeah. Why did that come to mind? It's got a sample, and if you if you play it, then the woman gets oh, you get some, some money. money? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's <laughs> true. Who gets sampled? Yeah, I think it works that way. Who was sampled? Uh, Gloria Ann Taylor. Oh, the sampled in disc, it. Or what is her deal? She's just a soul singer. Soul singer. Her and her husband made the some crazy psychedelic soul, and we sampled it. So. Okay. Yeah. Window shades. Yeah. All right, Meg. This was really fun. Yeah. I, I thank you for being on my show, and thank you know, you. best of luck cool. with everything. Mm-hmm.
From the latest album by U.S. Girls, Half Free, that was a song called Window Shades, as chosen by my guest on the show, Meg Remy. Meg, thanks again. If you're listening, if you've listened this far, Meg, back to our conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a, a, a nice honor and pleasure to get to speak with you. It's nice to speak with thoughtful people on the show, as I generally get to do. And what a what a thrill for me. Anyway, check out U.S. Girls, Half Free, and look out for uh, more music by Meg. Uh, because she is amazing. Hey, this show is brought to you by The Bookshelf, which is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. It's a movie theater. It's a it's a cinema, a rep cinema. It's a restaurant. It's a bookstore. It's a bar, a music venue. It does it all. Cultural hub located in Guelph, Ontario. For more information about the bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, if you can't make it to their 41 Quebec Street location, that is. Please visit bookshelf.ca. Of course, the show is also brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They make all sorts of great things, and you can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or at trocaderoguelph.ca or, or call them for a pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444. Pizza Trocadero, excellent pizza. Support pizza chains. Well, they're not a chain, they're just one location. Don't support pizza chains, support the good pizza. That's all I have to say about that. What else do I have to say? Oh, this show, Creative Control of Vichy If you never heard it before, let me remind you or tell you for the first time. I don't know how to talk. First of all, that's a thing you need to know. This show is available on iTunes and Audioboom.com, and every episode is clearly visible on my website, vishkana.com. Most of the information that you'd want to know about the show is on my website, vishkana.com. There you will also uh, be directed, if you wish, to a, uh, a Patreon page. We have a Patreon page where you can make a flexible monthly donation to the podcast. Creative Control of Vishkana is also on Facebook. And on Twitter, at Vish Creative. And a version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time via CFRU.ca around the world. And if you're in the region, CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. I would be nothing without CFRU. So thank you, CFRU. Thank you for listening. More episodes to come. I've got some travel coming up. I'm doing some stuff at Pop Montreal. Uh, a couple of live things. Uh, and I can... If you go to the Pop Montreal site, you can figure that out, but I'll tell you more about them maybe next week because I'm tired and I don't want to talk anymore. Okay, goodbye for now. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 